Hi everyone, welcome to Sumeria's Harem. This is my latest podcast with Mel Harris today. As you know, my podcast is where we talk about all kinds of things, spiritual, sex, love, relationships, and everything else that's taboo that relates to this space. So you are here today to speak with me to Mel Harris. And Mel is a yogic traditional teacher of Tantra. And I went for a course with Mel where I learned Tantra massage. Mel is also a coach and a healer. And as you as you all know, I am a certified sex and relationships coach. I'm also a uh, an energy healer myself. I practice womb wisdom, rose wisdom. And I was such a student when I went for Mel's course. I, I knew that I, I knew uh, so little about Tantra. Um, but at the same time, because it is so expansive, it's so continuously growing, that I, I, was, I was so happy that I went for the course. And I feel like I really, really grew and learned so much from the space. Thank you so much for that, Mel. You're very welcome. So, would you uh, would you like to say anything to your introduction? Would you like to add anything to that? Um, no, it was it was a delight to have you on the course, and I I always love how um, you know people coming from this space, a space of uh, of evolving our consciousness, our awareness around our uh, our traumas, our growth, mm-hmm. our spirituality, mm-hmm. um, our sexuality is growing so beautifully. And it's always wonderful to have, you know, other people that are practicing in different ways coming on the courses and then opening up to this very ancient um, wisdom, you know, and um, and bringing that into their modern day lives. So it was wonderful to have you on the course. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> so my first question for you is, what does Tantra mean to you? There's all this sexual connotation around Tantra. Like anytime people think of Tantra, they just think of sex. And it is so much more than that. So what is Tantra to you? Yeah, I think um, I think uh, sort of introducing a little bit about how I came to Tantra and then why it engaged me so powerfully might be a really good way to explain that. And then I will condense that into into something meaningful and sure um but yeah i've had a background in spirituality and spiritual exploration for a long long time from a very early age i kind of knew there was more to life than the 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 kind of everyday way of living Um, um i was gifted with the ability to to perceive um you know energy and people that have passed to the other side and to connect very strongly with animals and having a natural healing ability with them when I was very young. And um, yeah, so I kind of knew, but you know, as, as most people, if they grow up in a family that has no connection to that, um, that's much more, uh, what I would say, you know, traditional, um, then, yes. you know, you're told, you're told you have an overactive imagination and you have imaginary friends and it's left at that. <laughs> and, and that's it, you know. But I was always, um, even at a young age, I was reading, you know, a lot of um, religious books and texts and spiritual books. There was a craving and yearning to understand more. Uh, As I said, you know, even by 15, I'd read, you know, the Bible two or three times and the Quran and other books like that. So, you know, there was a yearning to do all of this. And then, like most people, you go to uni or you you get into your 20s and, and, and life takes over. 
a little bit and then I kind of got called back to it and I was um, in, in my searching I got kind of I was very much into personal development member of the junior chamber of commerce which was a big international um, uh, development organization for young people globally set up, up after World War Two. and there were people there we would have uh, people at conferences like Tony Robbins and um, Stephen Covey and all these big names back then that's going back into the uh, the 90s mm-hmm. and um, yeah so I, I kind of was very immersed in that um, and personal growth and I you know trained up as in psychotherapy and NLP and um, hypnosis and uh, uh, I did psychology as part of my degree at university so there's a lot about you know wanting to understand the mind wanting to understand relationships wanting to grow a lot of it had to do with my relationship with my mother who I love very dearly but as uh, we all know the relationships with our parents defines who we are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> how, oh my goodness. And how we approach everything in life and what we put in our way, in our pathway, um, how we may suffer when we can maybe heal those uh, those contexts, um, ancestral and present. And uh, yeah, so there was a big journey in that for me. And then in my uh, 30s I actually went back from just not just personal development but back into um, more exploring spirituality and I uh, became a Buddhist wow. um, uh, with the Samueling Temple here in Scotland which is uh, one of the first uh, temples that was uh, created outside of uh, Tibet and um, very beautiful I'd always sort of felt very comfortable with the Tibetan uh, with a Buddhist uh, philosophy and again, Buddhism is a kind of philosophy rather than a religion, as they would define it, a way of living life. And uh, that was very good for me, and I got into mindfulness, and I was bringing that into my uh, working space, as I had a consultancy at that time in leadership and team development and human behavior for communication and business. So uh, that was uh, the area that I was in, so always about growth. Um, but I went through a, a period of about 12 years where I didn't have a, a long-term or live-in relationship and like many women, like many modern women. And uh, I was like, why Why am I, I have no problems, I'm attractive and uh, I have no problems attracting men, but why am I having so much difficulty in finding the right kind of partner and in being able to you know, settle down with somebody and what's going mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. But I had been in the business world for a long, long time and you're, where, you're in Scotland at the moment, that's how we met. And Scotland was a very um, patriarchal society um, and very embedded in traditions, there was not, when I started out here, there wasn't really many women in business um, in that sense, uh, certainly not at the higher levels of business. Um, There was was a lot of uh, attitude of women being sexual objects in the workplace, you know, and inappropriate Mm -hmm. approaches sexually Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And so at a very early age, I had to step into quite a masculine energy to both protect myself and to be seen and heard in business, yeah? Yes. And then when you go into running your own business, the role model that you've had is that of the masculine, you know? And for women to maintain themselves in that, A, is exhausting, and B, the problem is they don't know how to step out of that when they are no longer in the business environment, you know, and back at home or engaging with, um, you know, with potential partners. And so I was aware of all of this and you know, had awareness from, the, from being in the circle of personal development and of spirituality. And I'd, you know, come across Tantra 
I had read some books by Daniel Odier and sort of felt very drawn to this and thought this is a beautiful way to maybe explore my femininity, but through a very spiritual path. And so I looked for some teachers in Tantra. I couldn't really find what I was looking for. There's a lot of new age stuff, and I'm not going to be negative about that because I think there's a great and important place for any kind of development of healthy intimacy, sexuality, and relationships. But I wasn't really looking for that pure focus of the sexuality. I was looking for that much more coming from very authentic teachings, um, ancient teachings. So I was looking for an authentic teacher for that. I didn't really find it. Went to one or two events and then left it alone. But still, you know, not not resolving my issues of of developing myself and my feminine. And then one day I woke up three nights in a row in full body orgasm which is something that I wow. have, yeah, which is something I had naturally had a gift to be able to do from an early age. You know, I could lie and listen to some music and actually find myself, you know, going into very beautiful orgasmic ways of energy traveling through the whole of my body. Or if I had a lover, I could be sitting next to them in the pub or the restaurant and I could feel these huge waves of, of orgasmic energy flowing through my body. So it was something I had already. And as you, I don't know, obviously you'll know from the circles that you work with, women are naturally tantric we're naturally very much more energetic we are the shakti as they explain mm -hmm. and 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 that's there so this was to me a sign that this is my 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 feminine screaming at me <laughs> yes real attention you know for some real attention and some real yeah. love yeah look at me listen to yeah. me Exactly, exactly. So I typed in pure, traditional, spiritual, white tantra. <laughs> and mm. up came the teacher that I started to, to do my journey with because when I sort of observed his uh, teachings and videos, I felt a very strong, pure energy of spirituality that was, and I felt it was coming from a very authentic lineage of yoga, you know, because tantra is not sex. Tantra is actually a yogic discipline which incorporates many different um, pathways of yoga, but it understands um, everything from the aspect of energy. And so it understands, it's a metaphysical science that mm -hmm. understands the evolution of consciousness and the manifestation of the, the physical realm through the, the production of energy. So Shakti being energy, Shiva being the uh, the universal consciousness and so if you ask me what tantra means to me when i went on my very first course it was a tantra massage course as well so there you go <laughs> oh. we, were, we were receiving um, lectures in between to help us understand the anatomy of energy to to learn the tantric massage as you did to do it with myself and my heart just sung because in my journey of exploring spirituality, I'd come to a number of theories, you know, about what I understood about the metaphysical world and about, you know, how, how everything's evolved and consciousness and duality and energy. And here were these lectures actually explaining this to me, confirming what I had come to believe through my own journey. I also, just to say, I was a... Uh, I studied biological sciences and medical microbiology. So I was a scientist, you know, and you're learning about the macrocosm and the microcosm through biology, physics, and chemistry. So I never saw it as a conflict. Um, I saw it as, a, as very connected. Um, and yeah, so anyway, so there 
there were these incredible teachings that were confirming what I had kind of come up with in my own thinking, but taking it so much more deeper and so much more profound, at more profound depths. So that just initiated a huge hunger uh, for me to go down these teachings and these pathways. And of course, the minute you do that, it starts to become a way of life. And I actually packed in my entire business consultancy within six months and um, just stepped fully into learning Tantra and uh, becoming a therapist and a healer and a teacher of Tantric yoga. So when I say that Tantra is not just sexuality, um, it is this incredible metaphysical science that is actually the journey of taking you from your human ignorance, you're like being born asleep, unaware of your divine nature and mm. your capacity, your huge potential, your huge capacity, and taking you back into a journey of self-realization to understanding your true nature and your true potential and your true capacity, yeah? And through that, you know, helping you to learn to master your ego which causes your suffering and actually, um, you know, be able to um, move past your ego so that you are, your ego is serving you, but no longer um, running amok with your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts and your beliefs and, uh, and therefore limiting you and allowing you to suffer because of the stories that you tell yourself. So it's incredibly beautiful. And the sexuality part of it is only five to six percent of these incredible teachings really it's a very small part but the the tantra the word tantra itself means um actually it means matrix and it means the pathway or the technology of enlightenment yeah and or, or matrix is another way that it could be defined so it's about understanding this incredible interconnected <laughs> aspect of life how everything is interconnected and in the in the in the world that we live in the physical realm everything is made of energy so including ourselves so once we learn how to master the energy within and the energy without then we can master pretty much any aspect of what we want to do so tantra to me is a way of life it's incredibly beautiful and it just opens you up to your authentic self and it takes you on a very very incredible journey which can be painful as well as beautiful because you have to go through um, your limiting beliefs and your ego-bound um, habits and practices, which can be painful. But when you surpass that and you conquer that and you understand that, then you are moving into a way of being able to live in a much more authentic and liberated way, um, understanding the true nature of things, not the stories that, that you've created for yourself. Wow. I asked <laughs> an explanation, but that was explosive. That was um, an experience, you know, that was a journey. And people always feel these things have an, have an ending. There's something, you know, that'll come out of it. There's, there's like a goal, a specific goal. But that was a journey of transformation into a whole different kind of person of becoming aware of all your of, of what you really are so yeah that is that's amazing Mel thank you for sharing that you're very welcome and it is a, it is a journey I mean life life is a journey and I think in modern day times we get caught up with this goal mm -hmm. um you know 
it's nice to have a direction, but actually the journey really is about learning to be and appreciate in each moment who you are, what you are, and what you're experiencing. And we've forgotten that, and we get caught up with um, with this striving. Um, and and our goals tend to be about you know the external world and what we perceive the external world wants of us rather than what our internal world is saying, you know, it desires to explore. Yes, yes, beautifully said. I, I, I totally agree with that. And leading on to my next question for you. Fire away. <laughs> why should someone consider Tantra as a, a practice? I, I imagine it's something you do daily. I imagine it's something that is um, it's not it's not consuming um, but it is something that needs to be done regularly for you to feel the benefits um, why would someone want to do that I think you explained a lot of it from your journey itself but if you were yeah no but we can, we can address it you know everything yes. can, uh, in a Thank different you. context so Great. yes so, so, so tantra itself I would turn around and, and not say it's something you do I would say it is uh, uh, an opening of seeing the way that you live in a different way mm -hmm. and providing you with tools and techniques that yeah. enable you to start to live that life more fully in that way. So there are practices, absolutely, that you do daily. So there's Tantra Yoga. And obviously, so in modern day times, people tend to think of yoga as asanas. Um, if you actually understand yoga, yoga means union, uh, the union of yourself back to your true, authentic, divine nature. Um, so that's what yoga actually means, the pathway of union. And so in uh, in yoga, you know, asanas are just one of the practices. Meditation is part of it. Pranayama is a part of it. Um, there is understandings, you know, there are guidelines. Um, so not unlike the Ten Commandments that you have in Catholicism, um, mm -hmm. thou shalt not, thou shalt not, <laughs> all things that you should not do. Um, the yogic, uh, the yogic guidelines are more like guidelines. It's these great yogis that have gone into highly enlightened states, high states of consciousness, and they've come back and they've seen, you know, they can see and perceive what happens to cause suffering and how you can behave differently to avoid suffering. So their guidelines are known as the yamas and the niyamas. And these are things like, you know, understanding about, you know, nonviolence, truthfulness, uh, being non-possessive, um, uh, things like uh, uh, self-development, um, uh, all, all these kind of different, there's, there's five yamas and five niyamas. But yes. these, are all just, these are just guidelines. So you're incorporating these aspects into your life. And it's not as simple as just saying, oh, I need to tell the truth. What does truthfulness mean? You know, if you, if you do psychology, you know that the one main condition of any human being is an amazing ability to be in denial of their own issues. <laughs> so that is 100% <laughs> correct. Wow. <laughs> exactly. So therefore, you know, when you're just, when you're having that uh, discussion with yourself, what is truthfulness? Actually, you know, what am I in denial of? You know, it's not just about speaking truth. It's actually, yeah. 
you know, or being honest about something. It's about, you know, what am I even in denial of, you know, mm-hmm. um, and understanding these things at this greater, greater level, you know, and, and you know, my, I remember when I was growing up, my mother used to say, well, you need to tell white lies not to hit, not to hurt people, you know. Is that viable? You know, should you do that? Or should you actually be honest because you're misleading people? So a, so around each of these concepts is actually much, much more depth, which with meditation and contemplation, you start to, you know, observe yourself more deeply and you start to understand what that may mean. And so it's a journey of um, of being an evolving and expanding your awareness about yourself and others um, in everything that you do. You know, um, so all throughout the day, there's a you know your your awareness is growing. The more aware you become, the more you perceive things, and the more you go beyond the story of something to the truth of something. You know, um, there's a great saying in uh, neurolinguistic programming that the map is not the territory. Right. Yeah. So the territory is the same, but everyone's looking with a different set of glasses. And so the way that they see that territory is the map that they create, but it's not the same as the other person's map. Does that make the territory wrong or, or not? No, the map's just different, but you can adjust the glasses that you're looking with. You'll see the map in a different way. You'll see the territory in a different way. So the idea is to remove the glasses that are maybe... Um, wobbling the perception of the territory and actually genuine, genuinely see the territory for what it is, not through your perceptions or misconceptions. And that makes sense. So yes, there's a journey. So there's a journey of evolution. So, so being tantric becomes a way of life, a way that you engage with life, a way in which you explore yourself, a way in which you explore your relationships, and it brings in a huge level of honesty um, which can be quite difficult for a lot of people to start with um, and but through that honesty then you know there's a there's a great sense of liberation that comes in um, because you can start to let go of things that you've been holding on to out of fear out of insecurity out of doubts and the stories that have been ingrained into you through your patterns from childhood through society um, through the way that we've been living you know we're women talking about you know we're in a patriarchal society there's a lot of stuff that women have had to suffer in that journey and now men are suffering from that as well (laughs) because you know so there's a a whole load of stories that come from society from culture um and from our backgrounds and from our childhood as well that come into play with that so it just liberates us from that and it's a journey you know it's a journey it's a step-by-step process and the more you get into it the more it just becomes a way of being and living rather than I'm, I'm getting on my mat to do my tantra yoga or my tantric meditation. But yes, you're practicing meditations and, and yoga on a daily basis as well. Amazing. And I was also pondering as you were saying all of these things, all of these things have suddenly become relevant. For instance, my parents never ever thought of this stuff. Um, but I have this huge desire to... Um, not just not just practice spirituality, right? But to continuously learn about myself. Um, what what is what is this this feeling that that brings us into wanting to to become a part of something that's larger? It's, is it something new? Do you think it's it's not some wellness trend, or is there an, a, some kind no. of shift? No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's the calling of the soul. It's the calling right. of the soul. Um, <laughs> And, uh, I mean, if you want to go into yogic terms, we're, 
from the perspective of yoga, there are cycles. So there's like a golden age, you know, a, mm-hmm. a silver age, a bronze age, and then an iron age, so to speak. And it cycles. So there's four sections to it, then it cycles, and you go from the iron age back into the gold age, so to speak. And right now we're at a place that's <clears throat> the iron age, and we're at the end of the cycle of the iron age, about to go into a golden age. Mm-hmm. And But the iron age means it's the least spiritual time ever. And we're at the end of that. Be spiritual. So, but but with a with a, a moment about being about to expand into something golden again. So, with that needs to come a realization. It's almost like if you think of your own journey as a human being, when do you get the most growth? When do your eyes open up? When does the desire to grow come? It's normally when you go through some kind of pain. Isn't it? You know? Yes. Get compressed by the pain. We get compressed. Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> and then it explodes. You know, something explodes and erupts, and then we are in the pain. And yes. then it's like this vast openness that happens, and we are just so sensitive to everything around us, um, not just ourselves, but everybody else and everything else. And we start to see things more clearly. You know, when we're happy and content, we kind of potter along and we just, you know, we might appreciate things, but we're kind of content and we potter along and it's not quite the same thing. But the pain creates this huge sort of openness and expansion into into seeing things differently. And um, uh, that's that's kind of necessary. I've forgotten the question now. I've just sort of gone onto a tangent. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. You've definitely beyond answered that question. Yeah. It's about, it's so, about where we were at. At the moment, yeah. when you mentioned the Iron Age, so yes. yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So so if you think about that in this, and if you take it into this more more general um, uh, where we are, mm-hmm. then it's the same kind of thing. The Iron Age is almost the most painful age because we have completely forgotten our divine nature and our mm-hmm. soul self. And right. so we're actually going through the biggest pain <laughs> mm-hmm. to start to awaken. So the fact that our parents were the generator, or our parents, I mean, I'm a bit older than you, I think, but in the last 50 or 60, or in, say in the last 80 odd years has been this big journey into suddenly things like psychology or, yes. you know, these things opening up to give us a chance to go. But it was started off with mind. And mm-hmm. now, because people have had the ability to explore mind, they're starting to open up again to spirituality rather than just mind, you know. But Prior to that, there was nothing, was there? You know, and, and no. you know, she had a calling, and she had a calling to be a monk or a nun or in whatever background of religion or spirituality you came from. Absolutely. I mean, I I learned meditation uh, from Dr. Deepak Chopra about 22 years ago, I think. And when I came back to Ernst and Young, I was working in Ernst and Young at London at, this, at that time. Um, everyone just looked at me and like, what did you just go and do? Uh, hello, what are you doing? And here we are, like 22 years later, we've got like apps that are worth billions yeah. to do with meditation and yeah, the industry. And here we are. That's right. When I when I started bringing mindfulness into my leadership courses, you can imagine the looks on the faces. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, people are like, what are we doing? We're doing mindfulness. What's all that about, you know? Um, so, yes, you know, being very much at the beginning of bringing all that in, you know, uh, into to society absolutely and I was bringing it into my leadership programs and my team development programs and people like what you know what's this what's all that about um you know getting people to think very differently because you know it's um the nature was very competitive very aggressive a need a need for power supremacy 
dominance, competitiveness in a very big way, which is, you know, part of a very patriarchal society, you know. Um, if, uh, if things are more matriarchal, there's more, um, there's more compassion, uh, spirituality, um, communication, connection, because that's the nature of the feminine. You know, and I don't mean matriarchal as in needing to take charge and control and dominate the male. I don't mean it like that at all. But if you go back and do the research into what were traditionally matriarchal tribes and societies, they didn't have dominance like that. There was actually a lot of peace and harmony um, because, you know, the, the, na the nature of man was to war. <laughs> yes, yes. And the nature of woman was to create community. You know, so and 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 because you need the community for survival, so really this is the whole thing of tantra. It's understanding the feminine principle and the masculine principle. And I'm emphasising principle because people get very caught up in modern day society about sex identification and, and gender identification. Yes. So I just want to eliminate that. It's not being a woman or being a man. It is about this principle of masculinity and femininity. And it doesn't matter what vessel you were born into in this lifetime. You have masculine and feminine within you. It's a polarity. You know, it's a everything in this world around us is a duality. It's a polarity. There is night and day. There is hot and cold. There is pain and joy. You know, there is, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, cold and wet, you know, sorry, wet and hot, uh, wet and dry. Everything is a polarity. Everything exists as a couple, yeah, because we need that. That's how energy exists. You know, if you take it very, very simply, we all know and understand the principles of electricity. You know, you have a negative pole, you have a positive pole, and electrons travel from one pole to the other. You have that's potential energy, and then when it travels, it's kinetic energy. It has movement to it, and through that movement of energy that's coming from two opposite poles attracting each other, we get um, this movement of energy that we can then harness to use for creating light or heat or whatever. And it's exactly the same principle. It doesn't matter if it's gravity. It doesn't matter if it's um, biomagnetic energy. It doesn't matter if it's pranic energy. You know, it doesn't matter if it's nuclear energy. It's all working on that same principle of polarity. You know, that's what creates everything to exist and to manifest. So, um, so yes. Amazing, amazing. You're right. I mean, the Earth itself is uh, is out of polarity. The North and the South poles. Mm -hmm. You know, it keeps yeah. it in that in the shape that it's in. Gravity. Um, it is. It's it's amazing, right? That all of these mm -hmm. are so synced with the laws of nature, the most natural mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, it is. It is the laws of nature. It is the laws of the universe. That's the whole point. It is yeah. the laws of the universe. Yeah. And it's quite. It's quite funny because you'll go Einstein you know, gravity or, you know, electricity. And yet you go spirituality and we go, oh, no, 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 no. That's just, that's just a whole load of woo-woo stuff. Mm -hmm. Thinking, oh, that's just, that's just, uh, but it's not at all. I mean, these, this, the science of Tantra evolved and was known to have evolved 5,000 years ago and was put into writing two and a half thousand years ago. And they were talking about quantum physics and they were talking, you know, they understood all these laws around yes. energy to much more depth than we did and they didn't have instruments to measure what they yes. did they went into deep states of meditation where their consciousness expanded and expanded and expanded until it was able to go into harmony with the universal consciousness which is we have within us we are part of the universal consciousness it's just in our human form we don't know how to connect with that 
yeah but it's, it's us it's our soul self and so they were able to go into that those states where they could enter into the universal consciousness where they were no longer a separate entity <laughs> which is what causes our suffering because we think we're separate and alone and mm. disconnected but mm -hmm. we're not you know where our soul is completely connected into the universal consciousness um, it's a bit like uh, I always love the example of um, if you have an ocean, you know, and the ocean is made of many droplets of water. The droplet of water thinks it's a droplet on its own, but it's not. It's actually making up the huge ocean, but it perceives itself as a separate entity, as a droplet. You know, and that's us. You know, in our in our nature. So, so yes, the duality was deliberately created because the the the, the idea is that the soul self is wanting to experience itself in this German journey of the human nature. Um, and to do that, it's coming in unaware, ignorant, asleep, if you like, thinking that it's separate, thinking that it's isolated, and it's the journey is then to reconnect and understand that is the soul self, that it is part of the ocean of universal consciousness. So beautiful. Ah, the ocean of universal consciousness. Um, I would like if it's okay with you um to ask you a little bit about your mother you know you mm -hmm. mentioned femininity you mentioned uh the pain that we go through to wake up to to realize what's actually happening with a lot of our familial relationships and you mentioned your mother and the connection that had with your femininity um would, would you like to share anything more on that maybe um it'll help the listeners to probably start to think of the relationship with their parents differently. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I want to say very clearly so that no mother or parent gets offended. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Right, is that no parents, well, very few parents, not all, you know, there are some parents that are, you know, maybe consciously um, damaging to their children, but no parent is deliberately acting to hurt their children. They're always trying, most parents are trying to do the best by mm. their children. But they are inheriting the journey from their parents and they're inheriting the journey from their parents. Yeah. And as, you, as we were saying earlier, before this time, there was little awareness of understanding these patterns or processes or how there's this law of cause and effect, you know, that has an impact um, as we go along our journey. So I just want to state first very clearly that it doesn't mean that a parent is deliberately harming a child. It's just that there are, you know, that, 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 that journey of practicing what they practiced, what they were taught by their parents and what society and culture has educated them in. Yes, so, totally, so yes. That very clearly first, right? So my, my lovely and beautiful mother, you know, she loves me to death, I love her to death. But there was a journey in that, you know, so she's, um, she's German and she came over um, not long after, you know, World War Two. I mean, she's not that that old, but she was, um, you know, she was born to. They had to run across the border from East Germany to West Germany when she was young, when she was only like fourteen or fifteen. So she was living, you know, they had to leave everything, everything twice. I think they ran from the Russians first in East Germany out of the Russian territories, and then they had to cross over the border and pretend to be going on holiday with all the family. Um, um, they could stuff in their clothes, you know, under their clothes and things like that, pretending that they were just visiting relatives. So she had a very uh, traumatic time, even though she doesn't really remember it as a child. There's obviously a lot that went on in that. And, um, you know, and there's, an, there's obviously a lot within the consciousness of, of the German nature 
Um, you know, at that, I don't know if people probably even know that, but um, there was a mass murdering and rape of German women by the Russians after World War II when they were in the occupied territories. Oh and that's, I think, created a very um, interesting um, uh, limitations or blockages um, and trauma within the psyche of German females, actually. Um, not all, but you know, but it's there within the consciousness. I think after that very dramatic um, experience, and and I think um, you know she came over as a young girl. She was an au pair, and she met my father at a very young age. So she was still young. Uh, I think nineteen twenty, you know, which was common in those days to get married, and they met and. Um, you know, they, he, my dad was about 10 years older and he was a, you know, a successful businessman with his own house and, and cars and whatever. So she was, you know, taken, taken in, I don't mean taken in by that, but wooed by that. And, you know, within a year yeah. they were married and, um, and I came along. And so she was a young mother. Um, she was in a foreign country um, with a language that wasn't her own and, um, and in a different culture you know, um, and trying to do the best she could. And, and, and she's, a, she's a perfectionist. She's also a Leo, so she's very strong in character. And, um, and in the journey of, of that, um, she, she was very, I think with what she'd been through, she had learned to be very strong and resilient. Um, but also I think, you know, her needs as a child maybe had, you know, hadn't been met either. I don't think she felt seen, not that she's conscious of this, of course, but I don't think she yes. felt, you know, she didn't feel seen in that journey that she had to go through. And um, I think my grandmother was um, a bit depressive um, and, and suffered from, you know, um, the depression and anxiety. And of course, my grandfather was busy trying to rebuild, you know, everything, having having had to flee twice, you know, and, and create um, and create a space for his family. So not easy. And then they're coming in as the poor relatives into Germany. So there's a lot. There's a lot there, even if she's not aware of it or she doesn't take it on board. She's not our generation. We'd be analysing that, you know. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Oh, right, yeah, but she's not. She's not from that generation. They didn't, you know, they didn't understand that. And she's actually very, she's actually a very spiritual woman. She has a lot of great intuition and whatever. But she's also a perfectionist. Um, and she likes things done her own way. And so for me growing up, it was, um, she was not doing anything wrong. It was just her nature. But because she was a perfectionist, everything had to be in the right order. You had to do things the right way. Um, you had to mind your P's and Q's, um, you know, all these kind of things. Um, I was the eldest. I had a younger brother. Um, if he did anything wrong, I got, you know, I got kind of told off because I was the eldest and it was m my responsibility, these kind of things. And these are not right, you know. They don't know that because that's how they've been raised and they do the same thing. But you don't you punish one child for the misbehaviors of another or, you know. And if you're very perfectionist as a mother, it's very difficult then because the child feels that they're not good enough. That's just the natural response. They don't feel good enough. And they and then the child has the need to want to um, please to be seen. Yeah. So they feel that they need to really please the other people to be seen. And therefore, they can have difficulties in their own boundaries in relationships with other people. Um, they can be overgiving and therefore lose their sense of self. Um, so, you know, heading more to the kind of the nature of neurosis rather than narcissism, if you like. Yes. And, I think that's, and I think it's quite common, you know, I think, um, and 
also the other thing that she did for me, which she thought was a really good thing, and she meant it in a really good way. But at a very young age um, of three, I think three, four, and five, I was sent over to my grandparents in Germany for three months each year to go to kindergarten out there. Now, at three, four, five years old, your grandparents are actually strangers to you, you know. And to be there for two or three months at a time with what are strangers in a foreign language in a foreign place is actually um, terrifying. Yeah. yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. So not that, again, if you asked me, if you'd have asked me before I did all the analysis, I wouldn't have known that. I just, you know, uh, what, I would have just said, oh, well, I was there. It happened. I guess I got on with it. But, um, but in the subconscious, it was obviously a terrifying experience in a sense of abandonment by my primary caregivers. Not that she was deliberately abandoned, but my child, my inner child, my child was like, mm. oh, my God, she's abandoned. And it's quite funny because we discussed things afterwards and she was saying... Um, I remember, you know, I, I remember coming home from, I, I traveled a lot when I, when I was 16 and um, I started traveling a lot on my own around Europe, which was quite unusual back in those days. Um, you know, I was one of the few people kind of traveling and having a year, year out or, you know, a year abroad before I went to uni. It was not so common back then. Um, so it's quite an independent thing to do, to go interrailing for three or four months on your own or this kind of thing. And I remember I, I was, every time I would come back from being abroad, I would have to find my way back from the airport, you know, home to the nearest bus stop or train station, and then I would get picked up. Whereas my brother, they would always go and pick up, you know. Hmm. <laughs> One day I remember saying, what's going on here? What's all this about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's, what's all this about, you know? And my mum turned around and said, oh, you're so independent. You don't need us to do that. You know, mm. I was like, oh, mm. right. <laughs> well, that's, that was a bit okay. And then I kind of realized something, and, and, and some things fell into place for me, which was like basically because I had felt abandoned as a child, and you know, and trying to please my mother to not be abandoned, <laughs> you know, um, and to be seen, I had become ferociously independent. And mm. the more independent I became, the more she felt I didn't need her. I didn't love her, I didn't need her. So the more she focused on my brother and the less on me. And then I felt even more abandoned. <laughs> so none of it's deliberate behavior, right? None of it's like, you know, I haven't thought that, she hasn't thought that. It's all happened very subconsciously. And you're like, oh, wow, now you see the patterns, you know? So yeah. now you see the patterns playing out. And you're like, oh, my goodness me, you know? So... So it's like so things done really innocently by parents um, and have then these knock-on effects. And, and then, you know, before you know it, you have this difficult relationship, which neither yes. person, no, neither individual was working towards or designing. Um, but it was, you know, it's just the insecurities that we have, you know, and all of our insecurities come from our ego. You know, and, and if you go into tantra and you start learning about the energy system and the chakras and the, the, the truth about the chakras, the true, true practice around the chakras, your lower three chakras are all ego bound and then your higher chakras, there's no ego um, attached to it. So we're already traveling at the energy frequency of our lower three chakras, the root chakra, as, as we say in, in, in modern times, root chakra, the sacral chakra and the navel chakra. And they're kind of security 
um, emotions, creativity, sexuality, and you know, leadership, willpower, um, you know, ability to, to 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 take charge in our own lives, and and so all around these areas where there's any doubts or fears or insecurities, that's what holds us back. That's where we have the limiting thoughts. Um, and once we can, you know, transcend the those issues of the ego and go into the heart. Um, and go into more unconditional love for ourselves, for others, and have the discernment which comes with the ability to grow and develop the third eye, the Ajna Chakra, when we bring that into play, then we start seeing things in a very different way and, and we become aware of it. So that's, yes, yeah, so the, the journey with my mother, it's like, so through... I mean, obviously, I was already doing psychology, psychotherapy. <laughs> there was a, I was going through a journey of wanting to heal that relationship in my 20s. So I was exploring what it means. So she drove me to the relationship with my mother, not in my mother driving me there, but the relationship with my mother, I wanted to improve. So I went through that journey of exploring psychology and exploring all these things. Um, but it didn't help me. It brought some kind of mental awareness to it, but I couldn't change the patterns. And what Tantra has helped me do by the practices of Tantra, where we're changing the, where we're building and changing the energy frequencies in our being, we can start to release um, what we call these impurities or blockages um, in our energy fields that come from these mental and emotional patterns that are kind of embedded. Um, and then lead to even physical illnesses and physical issues, not just mental and emotional challenges, you know. And yes. so by working with the energy, we can start to release these trapped energies in, in our being and, and remove these patterns and, and move past them. Amazing, amazing. So just so to say, we have a good relationship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It's a good conscious relationship, right? It's about continuously working on that subconscious, as you mentioned. How yeah. deeply conditioned you? How deep yeah, ab absolutely. And, and, and you mean, she sort of said to me a few years ago, you know, she's like, oh, wow, Mel, you know, you've changed so much. And actually in talking to you, it's allowing me to see things in me and my journey and 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 therefore we were actually starting to communicate better but it's still it's still interesting because it's a very um it's a very i think for most parents of their generation it's quite difficult to talk to them about these things because they're not as used to exploring it as we are and so they might they can take it very personally you know that you're blaming them and you're not blaming them they, they you, you know that they haven't done anything deliberate they, there was no harm involved there was a desire to i mean i know my mother adored me and you know was was showing off and adored me to other people but it wasn't you know she didn't do any of these things deliberately and uh, nor with an intention for harm it's just how the child perceives these situations and the knock-on effects um, that these have because everything's all these things are playing out at a subconscious level and it's all energy you know so this is what you understand in in tantra it's all energy and it's all a movement of energy so you start talking about stuff as energy rather than action or intent and then it's easier you can say oh it's like if you're in the middle of a if you're getting triggered you in a relationship you can go woof this energy is coming up and i've got this really intense energy and i'm really triggered right now and instead of going rah at the other person you may because mm -hmm. it depends how intense the trigger is but you can go whoa i'm getting triggered can we just back off can i take some space and think about this trigger and then can i come back and talk to you when i'm ready to talk to you yeah 
and then you can do and you know and then you have practices that you can sit and meditate with and explore what is that energy all about what's coming up in that and then you can sit down calmly and talk afterwards so you've got more ability to pause to be aware enough to see things happening pause the button and go back and address it of course sometimes you just go of course we're human <laughs> yes. so sometimes you can catch yourself going in full flow you can even see yourself going in full flow you can even say don't even say that don't say that and Oh my God, why did I do that? So, but that awareness comes in more and more strongly. And of course, you know, the, the more you start to grow with um, with that practice, then the more you catch these things, and it's only really strong triggers where you find yourself going, and then even them you start to address and work with. But at least you have awareness, you know. So you still may get into arguments, you still may lose it, you still may get hurt, but you know how to address it, and you know what the reality is once you calm down. Absolutely. And I think that's really important what you just said at the very end there, because this is a cycle of learning. Um, and, you know, a perfect relationship isn't about having perfect communication, perfect understanding, perfect expectations. It's about continuously working towards that. So thank you. What, what, what's perfect about being human is that you're imperfect. Mm -hmm. That's the whole journey. Mm -hmm. How could you grow, evolve and have the experience to understand your authentic, true, divine nature if you weren't imperfect. You know, because it's the imperfections in us that enable us to go on that journey to explore who we are. Indeed. Thank you. <laughs> and now that we've, we've uh, talked about your mom, I believe you are in a relationship with someone who also does what you do, a yogic tantra, traditional tantra teacher. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we've, act we've actually just separated ways, but we've been oh, running no. the schools. Oh, oh. sorry. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, well, being okay. in conscious relationships. That's being right. That's right. Okay. So uh, yeah, no, we were we were together for three years, um, and um, we were we've been running um, Alchemy of Living together. You know, um, uh, it was uh, I was running it before he came in, and then he came and joined me in it. And he was much younger, so he's uh, he's uh, half my age in actual fact. So a very different yeah. relationship. Uh, so, um, but it was uh, yeah. So you're going to ask me about how that works? Or what, yeah. What, God, I was asking. Sorry, I was just going to say. I was going to say. I'm going to take my wow back because there's nothing. <laughs> there's, there's there should be no reason to be wow about dating someone um, who is younger than you, regardless of whether it's one third half or you know as long mm -hmm. as they're they're adults. And for an older woman and a, and, a, and a younger man, I mean, let's get over that. We, we, would be, we would be looking at things differently if it was the other way around. So I'm going to take that back. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And um, yes, so coming, coming to the relationship part, the, the, the reason why I, I raised that was because, you know, a lot of people feel that, oh, to learn Tantra, you need to be in a relationship with someone who's wanting that too. And normally it's not like that. People want to start working on themselves, but maybe their partner isn't doing that. How, how, how does it work there? So, so yes, so, sorry about that. That's a beep that just came from there. I apologize. Okay, no problem. Um, so, yes, let's, um, yeah, well, number one, when I entered into Tantra, I was single. All right. And it was three okay. years before I met my Tantric partner. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> and, um, and yeah, I think, you know, I, I was a bit nervous to get involved in Tantra to start with because I was on my own. And what did that mean? That was a bit terrifying. And I can understand that, especially as a female. But I think it is for male or female. It's like you think, oh, well, I need to learn Tantra 
as a couple because most people perceive it as this uh, as this uh, sexuality this relationship of sexuality but of course it's not it's this much greater vast um, science of, of self-development and self-evolution so in actual fact I would turn around and say it's actually amazing to come into it single because you have an opportunity to work on yourself and develop yourself so that you can attract in by the law of resonance a person yes. more suitable for you for your growth and what you start understanding is that you're, you're attracting in always a mirror to yourself right not maybe an exact mirror that you're needing to learn what they're needing to learn but you're you're attracting in the right person to mirror back to you what you need to do to grow right so I always, used to, I always used to laugh because when you've got the law you know, the, the the secret and the laws of attraction or whatever and people's like yes i want to i want to attract in the perfect partner for me and then they attract in someone and there's a lot of you know maybe challenges in the relationship they're like but, but that's not the perfect partner but what they didn't realize is they said the perfect partner for me well at that moment in time that is the perfect partner for them because it's showing them what they are missing in themselves to be able to attract in the right person in the sense of what they are looking for in a relationship. So if you want to be in a deeply loving, harmonious relationship, are you in a place with yourself that you can be deeply loving with yourself and harmonious with yourself and therefore with others? Or are you wounded in some way and missing things or having habits and behaviors that are actually blocking not only love from another person, but normally love to yourself? Yeah. Yes. So you, yeah. So you will attract in the person that will allow you to learn and see that about yourself. Yes, absolutely. By the law of resonance. So the law of resonance means you attract somebody in that's at the same frequency as you. Yeah. So if you're depressive, you'll attract somebody in that's depressive. You're not going to attract somebody in that's joyful. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Because joyful is going to go. You have some work to do. <laughs> you know. You know, they're not going to, you know, want to engage, to engage that. But if you're in a similar place on your journey, you may be able to come together and help each other grow if you have awareness um, that, you know, if you come in with awareness. So coming into Tantra on your own and learning to develop yourself energetically, which means developing yourself emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically to be able to to grow and to start to you know what we call as, as we said purifying the body which is just basically helping to remove these negative energies these negative patterns these negative behaviors these limiting beliefs and move through them and that's beautiful because instead of attracting the same how many times do people say i keep attracting in the same person or the same kind of person why and why do i keep getting the same person because you're vibrating at this frequency and you haven't changed that yet so you're just changing the person that's coming in if you're not learning from your previous relationships so so you know so it's like you know, if you're if you're if there's something that you're wanting to learn consciously, then you know it's uh, it's, it's very interesting. So I can give an example in the sense of um, before rock came into my life, I was wanting to start the journey of trying to be able to love unconditionally. 
you know, not have so much judgment or conditions around love because obviously that's what had actually caused me pain <laughs> yes. in my life. And I don't I mean just totally understand that. Yes. Yeah. Not just romantic relationships, but friendships, parental, all of these things. See, that's where the judgment, if somebody is a perfectionist, there's a judgment in there and immediately you judge yourself. And normally if you're judging somebody, you're normally judging yourself much harsher than you judge other people. So, so you're actually whipping yourself more than you're whipping other people. So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So, so, you know, so if you saw, that's what I was manifesting in. So in came this much younger man, and I would never have considered a relationship with a much younger man, you know, normally. But it came in, he pursued me and asked me, and I just felt this huge... Um, sort of, I can't really explain it. I had a huge energy surge when he kind of approached me officially to, to kind of date me, and and it felt very connected. And I could see what he needed in that moment, and I knew that I could provide that in that moment. Yeah, and I could I almost heard like you know God saying he just needs to be loved for who he is and seen for who he is at this moment in time, and I was able to provide that. And um, and in our journey, um, you know, the, the last three years have been challenging for all of us around the globe with all the things that have come in, you know, with the lockdowns, with the financial challenges that that's brought in. And we were running a business together during a lockdown. Um, you know, the, you know, things like illnesses coming in. I even went through menopause as well. So a lot of, and then and a serious illness came in as well. Um, and so we had we had a lot of things to kind of deal with, and that became a pressure cooker. And in that pressure cooker, because we had a tantric relationship that was based on being really aware, being really honest, um, being able to reflect, even if we did get upset or emotional, but being able to go away, reflect, come back and talk about it calmly and express that and explore that. What it did, that pressure cooker showed both of us where we had our deep insecurities and by being a tantric couple, we could support each other to start to really explore that, you know. Um, and and then, you know, there's a realization, you know, of what you want and, and, and where the journey is going. And, you know, um, and, and so, you know, and then eventually you might find that, you know, what how you came together is not where you want to go going forward. But that's okay because... Um, that's just part of the journey of evolution. So, so now we've separated ways. We both have a huge amount of love and respect for each other. You know, he's decided that there's a part of his journey that he needs to explore um, in in relationships. Um, you know, and having been somebody that's much older, you know, that's a that's a very different kind of relationship. And I always knew at some point that our journey would, you know, would probably come to a an end as 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 a as a couple because you know of the age difference there may be other things that he wants to or needs to explore you know and um but he's given me a huge insight into um you know some of my more deeper wounds that i had healed to a certain level but with the pressure cooker of the outside world and being in the tantric relationship it brought some of these deeper things to the surface under duress and now it's allowed me to really see those things and address those things. So, you know, we parted ways with a lot of love and a lot of respect for each other. Um, and, you know, um, you know, we'll continue in the future to, you know, to, to be friends and hopefully collaborate and do things together in the future. But um, but it's, you know, so that's the, that's the beauty of a tantric relationship. So you are 
uh, instead of because what how most people come together is most people in normal everyday life come into a relationship because it's an expectation to be if you're going to be successful in life you need to be you know ha have met your perfect partner it's all the hollywood stuff you know the hollywood story right. you know let's oh, say you yeah. get married 2.4 children beautiful house you know all this kind of stuff right married for life that's mm -hmm. not me reality i don't i don't believe that's the reality i don't believe that very few people are made to come together at a very early age stay monogamous all the way through their life and remain very happy i think you could turn around and say that's you know maybe 10 percent of the mass populace okay. because you're growing and you're changing yes and the world is changing and you're evolving and what you were when you were 19 is not what you are when you're 25 and what you were 25 is not who you are when you're 35 and when you're 35 you're not who you are when you're 45 do you know what yes. i mean yes. your needs and desires are different and people are not always growing you know people are not growing in the same direction they're growing on their journey and their path for them for what they desire or what their soul wants to get out of this journey in this lifetime so for some people it might be more spiritual and for some people it isn't so most people are coming together because a that's what's expected by society b they believe that being with another person will make them happy mm -hmm. yeah rather than they need to make themselves happy yeah yes. and, and there's an ability to hide in a relationship yeah but we all know you can be the loneliest in the wrong relationship more so than when you are single. So true. Mm -hmm. Oh my yeah. God. So, so, so true. Yeah. yeah. And so many people stay together, but they start to resent each other. They start to bicker. They start to live different mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's actually a recognition that there's a point come in their journey where they no longer serve each other successfully and it would be better to separate at that moment and move on because they're changing and actually now it's time to be with a different partner that brings in a different energy that they're more ready for in that cycle and that journey so this is not hollywood that was sold in all the romantic movies <laughs> you know the yes. ever that's not yes. really journey of evolution and change is it so so actually when you go into tantra it's about actually being very open to that journey knowing that you know you may be with somebody for a very long period of time or you may be with somebody for a short period of time but you know that that interaction that trans that interaction for whatever it is is bringing you gifts yeah absolutely, absolutely. That absolutely. In that sorry yeah, we the very essence of a relationship right and mm -hmm. so so much of like like what you say the fantasy the, the the Hollywood romance in uh, Bollywood as well across mm. all movies. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, there is a capitalist desire. You know, marriage mm -hmm. yields a hell of a lot of income. When when you break um, the world into households, it becomes a, a a capitalist way to kind of grow themselves to kind of have businesses and trades that provide to all of these homes mm -hmm. um, and, and to the whole marriage industry. So there's there's a lot yeah. there, actually. We can unpack another time. But so, oh, yeah. yeah, and, then, and that, that commercialism, yeah, and that commercialism even bounds us into relationships. It yeah, binds us absolutely. into them because people are terrified to go alone because they'll lose half their income. They'll lose, yes. you know, they've got to go through a divorce. They've suddenly got only half the income. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you through my experience of life, both in coaching many, many people <laughs> and my own journey and watching my friends and my loved ones around me, when people stay in something that's not working, it's just pain, including for the children. 
you know, people stay together for the sake of children and it's wrong because the children are energetically sensitive they pick up that the, the household is unhappy they pick up on the arguments and the fights and they start to feel insecure waiting yeah for their security to be broken yeah mm-hmm. i know i was i kind of i was kind so of aware of this when i was younger yeah mm-hmm. Whereas if the parents separate and don't use the children as pawns to uh, to uh, hurt each other <laughs> or control the situation, but actually just bring in a lot of love with their new relationships and their new situations, those children are very happy if they're not being used as a pawn, as if the parents aren't battling over custody and all these things. But if, they, if both parents then go into very beautifully happy, loving relationships and are not bickering, the children actually just have a sense of being loved and, and love, you know, whereas um, if it's obviously if it's divided with pain, they're going to experience that. But living together in a home where there is obviously issues and maybe, you know, affairs happening or, you know, fights happening, they're, they're taking that energy on. It's already impacting them. It's already giving them a sense of huge insecurity. So, so true. And I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the, the basis of a lot of my sex and relationships courses and, 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 and coaches is, is exactly that, is the childhood wounds. And it's amazing how it, it's not about massive trauma. It's, it's any level of stress that, mm-hmm. that creates that subconscious pain. So um, wonderful. Thank, thank you so much for, for bringing that part up. Um, and my, my final question to you, Mel, is, is there a concept of life purpose in Tantra? Yes, there is. Um, this, this goes into the uh, concept of uh, karma and dharma. Right. Um, in that sense. So, um, so karma um, can be very misunderstood, again, in the, the, the sort of more what I call New Age spiritual um, side of things, rather than from the understanding um, of yogic tradition or Buddhist tradition. Obviously, Buddha was a yogi, so it's um, still um, a yogic um, foundation, Buddhism. Um, so karma, karma really is the law of cause and effect. Um, so, you know, you've got Newton's law of cause and effect. So everyone knows that, you know, for every action, there has to be an equal and opposite reaction. It's a law of physics. It's a natural law of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's what karma is. Karma is the law of cause and effect. So for every action you do, there must be an equal and opposite reaction. And um, and that goes to every thought you have. Not just phys- yes. no, not taking an action, but a thought that you have, an energy that you emit is still an action, you know, and therefore whether you generate good or bad karma, so to speak, and there is also neutral karma, but if you generate good or bad karma, you still have to experience it, and it's not, so and again, in yogic terms, there is reincarnation, there is a cycle of many lifetimes, and it's driven by karma, so that, um, so Buddha sort of said, you know, everyone will reach enlightenment, you know, within a million lifetimes. So, you know, even if you do no spiritual practice whatsoever, eventually your soul will reach enlightenment if it recycles through a million lifetimes. But, you know, your 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 journey is like, so say in, um, this is not very politically correct, by the way, I'm going to pre-warn everyone now because it's not, you know, Tantra is not <laughs> politically correct. <laughs> Uh, because it's stating universal laws, not how human beings want to feel to to feel good about things. Um, so it's coming from a higher consciousness, a higher plane. 
let's say, say for example, you know, you broke somebody's leg, you know, you're, you know, at some point you need to receive the same thing back. Doesn't necessarily mean that your leg will be broken, but something that inhibits you and uh, incapacitates you in some way will come back to you. Yeah, it, might, it doesn't mean a broken leg means directly another broken leg, but something that will inhibit you in some way will come back to you in that way, you know? So if you murder somebody, you know, you need to take that karma on. Um, you know, if you do something really good and you do wonderful loads of charitable acts, you need to be able to receive that back. <laughs> So in the in the in the cycle of, for a yogic person who's wanting to um, to actually reach self enlightenment as quickly as possible, so somebody that has that awareness, they want to reduce their karma down as much as possible. So they want to reduce the ability to produce karma, both good and bad, so they don't have to go through another reincarnation, another lifetime. You know, because it's the journey of being human where the suffering is. Yeah. Amazing. They want to reach enlightenment yes. as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But the so the karma is driving our next life cycles, and um, so when people say, "Oh, you know, we we you know uh, you know do we have free will? Do we have um, uh, do we have free will over our destiny?" Yes, we do because our karma is not a punishment from God. It's our choice through our actions that we've created for ourselves. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, but unfortunately, the less conscious you are, the less aware you are of the karma that you're creating for yourself, or even if you know of the law of karma, you know, if you don't even know of the law of karma, you're happily acting without even thinking about the consequences of your actions. Yeah, so, you know, so that's, uh, that's a big part of it. So we actually generate our own karma. So what we're experiencing in each lifetime is what we've generated from previous lifetimes. So we're suffering, <laughs> there's a reason for it, yeah. And you have karma in different areas. So you've got karma around relationships. You've got karma around money. You've got karma around health. You've got karma around spirituality. Many, you know, you have different karmas, and they will be affected by your different journeys of what you've done. Um, and so your your dharma is kind of your life purpose that comes out of the lesson that you need to learn from your karma in this lifetime. If that makes sense, yeah. So the karma puts you in a situation to learn the lesson that you didn't learn in the previous lifetime because you generated that karma for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Totally. So you, yeah, so if you take something horrendous, which, I mean, is, as I said, not politically correct, but maybe if you experience some um, you know, sexual harassment in this lifetime as a woman, perhaps you were a male in a previous life that was sexually harassing women. Yeah? And you're going through that experience in this lifetime because that's your karma that you generated from a previous lifetime. So I said, not very politically correct. I can hear a lot of women that would want to scream back at that. But that, if that is the law, the laws of the universe, the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, you know, why are you experiencing something? There's a lesson to learn in there. But in the same breath, that then may lead you to becoming... Um, you know, a powerhouse for leading self-caring women and for bringing awareness into the situation of inappropriate behavior in this lifetime. So you may become a leader uh, as a campaigner for that in this lifetime. Yeah. So yes. the, the lesson of the karma can generate the dharma, which is the purpose, if you start to learn the lessons. Isn't that beautiful? That Isn't that beautiful? so well explained? Thank you, Mel. That was so that it just hit me what you said there. Um, the karma creates the dharma. It just it just hits me. 
And so it just it just hit me how how powerful that that is and how important it is that we know exactly who we are and how we're working to know our karma to then know our dharma. Beautiful. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're not always going to get it straight away because you've got a number of lifetimes. And I can guarantee you've already probably done a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) So don't don't give yourself, you know, if you're hard on yourself, if you're not getting it, you know, you will. But, but taking on the journey of tantra or some spiritual, um, some spiritual, genuine spiritual practice, whether it's Sufism, Buddhism, tantra, whatever, yoga, allows you to start to have that awareness so that you can start to learn your lessons and really step into your purpose. Yes, I, I, I so agree. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mel. So what are you working on at the moment? Are there any workshops or courses coming up? Yes, we are. I'm about to, over the next two weeks, put this year's up. I'm a little behind because I've taken, I took some time out for myself for a few months. Uh, um, when you, as you said, when you're heat, when you're doing this healing work and this space holding for other people, you need to look after yourself as well and take some oh, yes. time out. Absolutely. So I've, so I've been doing that. So coming online very soon will be a number of courses. So we'll have a number of different uh, tantra massage workshops coming up, uh, two day, four day and retreats. Um, we have a retreat coming up in Portugal, hopefully. And uh, we have a course in the power of manifestation, understanding it from the yogic tantric perspective and how you can power it up by understanding the laws of energy through tantra. Um, we have uh, yoga level one, uh, which is the, the foundational practices to develop yourself as an energetic being and to bring in the the daily tools that you can use to evolve yourself and deal with different situations and uh, and build your awareness to your your energetic state. Um, so they're the founda- founding principles of that. So we have yoga level one, which will start in September. And we have the other levels for the people that are carrying on coming in too. Um, we also have um, alchemy of energy, which is actually starting to learn about the energy anatomy and how you can work with energy in the astral and how you can start feeling the qualities of energy. Um, yeah. I also we also have a a, a, um, a course on um, healing the sacred feminine, an introduction to it, uh-huh. which just um, allows women to start to understand from a tantric perspective how they can start healing these wounds that we've been talking about. Um, and uh, you know, so and, the, and and new workshops evolving from that because as people ask me, I start to evolve them. And obviously, my, the you know behind that, I'm constantly coaching individuals and couples, um, you know, through that journey, through these te- techniques, one to one, and offering the therapies in tantra massage and uh, remote healing, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, so so therapies and coaching one to one as well. Amazing, amazing. And how can people find you? What's the best? Well, they want to, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So if they want to go to the website, which is um, www.alchemyofliving.co.uk mm-hmm. or um, on um, uh, Facebook, Instagram, there's Mel Harris Living. Okay. Um, so if you type Mel Harris Living in, you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook. I have yet to expand into TikTok. And then we also, um, uh, Alchemy of Living on YouTube as well. If you type in Alchemy of Living, you'll find us on YouTube as well. Oh, amazing. Great. There's quite a few different different methods to reach you. I will list all of this in the transcript for, for the podcast. Uh, for anyone who's listening, you know where to go. Um, and yes, I'm actually done with my questions. Thank you so much, Mel. 
Thank you so much, Ryan. I've really enjoyed the uh, I've really enjoyed the chat, actually. So uh, maybe we maybe we should be doing some more about other topics. I really enjoyed it with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And absolutely, I I would love to revisit this conversation in a new unit of time. You know, based on what you've learned, then new realizations. We're constantly evolving. So there'll be just so much to speak about every time. I, I know this and it is not easy to keep within the time, but I try. <laughs> I try. That's oh. wonderful. I'm, I'm so you, glad. Mother. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Wishing you a wonderful weekend. Thankfully, we're doing this on a Friday. Mm-hmm. I hope you get some good rest and wishing you a wonderful 2023 as well. Thank you. Same, same for yourself and the same for your listeners. Wishing you all well. Thank you. Thank you, Mel. I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Mel Harris on how Tantra actually works. That was really enlightening for me. If you have any questions, you know where to find me. All my social media and contact details are in the transcript. Have a lovely day wherever you are.